This is To The Point. A Rhino Experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up, To The Point listeners? It is your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services podcast. And across from me, in the studio as my guest, I love when the podcast guests are actually here in the studio. It always makes it so much better because I get to look you in the eyes and yours just happened to be this pretty shade of blue. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like you grow a beard just about like me, so um, which I call a Apache beard. Yeah. It's Apache here, Apache there. Um, but <laughs> see, that's how we that's how we make you feel welcome. Just right off the bat, just want to bust your chops and make you feel super at home. <laughs> but I have my friend George Donaldson in here, and he is the CEO of Fix It Group. But man, you've been in the game a long time, dude. And yeah. I can't wait to break down what that Fix It Group thing means today, and to kind of go back through some of your history. And then for our listeners, um, George has accomplished a ton, a lot of successful stuff along the way. Um, Obviously, we had Jim Abrams on some previous episodes. He's got a long relationship with Jim Abrams, so I'm excited for you to kind of talk about what he meant to you and and, and you in this whole space and in your career and in your personal life and all those different things. So we're going to hit on all that, but um, it's always good whenever we have somebody that comes in um, from the West Coast because my man George here is from California. Is that true? Does California know how to party? They do know how to party. Do you? Although I'm not from there. I'm from Colorado. Well, moved that's there, where you, then moved back. <laughs> I was going to say, but that's where you came over here from. Is that not correct? No, Colorado. I live You're in, in Colorado? I, I moved back to Colorado a year ago. What yep. the hell? Why you? So, so listeners, see, this is how you know that we don't edit this shit because <laughs> every time I mess up, I just own it. So anyway, hey, if you were... That was a cool clip. It worked out okay. So if it was Colorado, what song would you have played? Oh my God. Oh, Rocky Mountain uh Rocky Mountain High. A little John Denver. Huh? How about oh, there that? You go. Hey, that's pretty good for on the fly. Yeah, it was. Um, although not quite like to the point music, but it would have worked for this. I probably could have found something. I, I did like Tupac now. better. Yeah. Well, I would imagine that you would too. <laughs> so um, but man, listen, I'm glad to have you in here. Thanks for coming here and being in studio too. I know you have some other stuff going on in town too. I'm excited for um for our listeners just to hear about your story because over the last well, a few months now, um, we've been able to kind of connect and talk a bit, but originally started with them. I give a shout out to Brian Remington, who is one of your general managers too, who um, was came to me and said, hey, you know, and this happens to me often, by the way, people are like, hey, so-and-so would be a great guest on the podcast. Like this happens a lot, you know, and someone wants to come on and talk about it. And sometimes uh, I would say maybe more, oftentimes it's for the wrong reason, right? Um, and I like to be able to bring people on that I think actually – have kind of been through enough things, have a good value that the listeners can legit hear your story, relate, uh, understand that uh, from what you've learned that you can share things that they could legit take back, implement, and potentially move the business forward. That's the whole purpose of this thing. This podcast is to give back to the industry as a whole. So um, you and I were kind of talking ahead of time before the podcast on the majority of people listening to this podcast who are falling somewhere in that, say 3 million to even 20 million mark. And there's a lot of movement that can happen, you know, outside of that space too, but there's a lot to learn in that space. And, For sure. and you've been in it and you've been successful through it. You've had wins, you've had losses, right? And what I love is that um, you're open and willing to share some of those things with these guys. And again, with these guys and gals, sorry, um, that, hopefully they can take something away, you know, and, and, and move their business forward too. But 
I'm excited for you, man. Like you've got big things still happening. I mean, I'm, I'm a year older than you. So you and me got a lot of runway ahead of us still. And, and your runway is looking pretty damn good right now. It's pretty well lit runway. And, uh, so I'm excited for you to kind of share your story, but, but let's do this. Um, you, you, I want you to let our listeners know kind of where you're at like today. So they understand, you know, why you're sitting here today. I'm telling you listeners, like I wouldn't have him in here if there's not a really great story with this too, and a lot to learn from it. Um, and some of the things that he's really good at building and training that are um, imperative to having a successful scaling home services company. So, so let's start with where do you sit today, quick high level, and then let our listeners know how you got into the trades and just kind of tell us that little path you've been, because it's a good one. Yep. So today I'm uh, kind of joined the, the rest of the world in the PE backed, uh, you know, situation. Yep. It's uh, our group's called Fix It Group. Uh, we bought a company in in Denver in middle of 2017. Really, just a name. Grew that one from. We said we would grow it from zero to 10 million, no customer base, the first year, and we grew it to 9.7. And uh, we the grew, first year, the first year, zero. <laughs> so zero, and, and that's one of, you know, we've th- this. That was the ninth company I've done it with as an owner. And um, so we got the recipe down, but we did that. And that was tough. I would not want to ever do that again, by the way. Organic or? Organic. Damn. All organic. Wow. So, um, you know, so we kind of proved that out. And uh, we did it on purpose because we took some overhead there, took some management experience that we had to we had to grow that. And what was the services? Uh, heating, air conditioning, plumbing. And we started electric that year as well. Yep. And electric really more supported our um, HVAC at yep. the time. Got it. Okay. So uh, middle of 2020, we uh, joined private equity with that company being the platform company. And uh, we are, are now, as, as I sit today, we are in Dallas, Denver, uh, two weeks away from being in Charleston, and about two months away from being right here in your backyard, Arizona, <laughs> and uh, should be getting into an LOI in Southern California here pretty quick. Well, congrats, man. So that's great. Thanks for kind of sharing where you're at, at today. That's exciting, man. And if you're going to be down here a little bit more. Get to hang out a little bit. Yeah, we'll be down here. It's gonna be a good time. So perfect. Well, then let's go ahead and kind of and take it back. Like, let's go back to the beginning because you had a long time. Well, I don't even. I'm not even gonna tell the story. Take us back, man. One, how'd you get into trades, and then kind of walk us through your journey up to this point. Oh, how'd I get into trades? Well, (laughs) I actually was uh, in high school and didn't know what I wanted to do. Working at McDonald's and uh, became a manager there by 17 and. I'd fix things that would break just randomly. Um, and a manager one day said, this, this lady said, her name was Julie. She says, I see you being an electrician. They make pretty good money. And that's, that's just what I see you being. It's like, it was weird. Cause that kind of affirmed me. And so I was like, okay, well, career day came up and my stepfather at the time set up a, a day with a ride along with an electrician. And from that point, I'm like, okay, I want to be an electrician. And, um, there was this one every once in a while I'd actually go play bingo by the McDonald's. I worked out with some friends and there's this late old lady that would talk to me and she asked me, what do you want to do? You don't want to work at McDonald's forever. Right. And I'm like, no, I want to be an electrician. She goes, oh, my neighbor's an electrician. And I got this through her randomly got this opportunity to become a commercial apprentice electrician at, uh, and I didn't even, I literally had to make a decision. If I take this right now, I'm leaving high school. So I left my senior year of high school, didn't even finish. 
So a lot of people that don't know that about me didn't even finish, uh, <laughs> didn't even finish high school ultimately, much less go to college. And no GED just said, no, just, just went for it. And, uh, I'd be way behind where I am today, where my track let me, but led me. Yeah. Um, so two years later I, uh, joined a small residential company and, uh, was an electrician for them running a service van and, and became a manager of, of that small company. What about, about what time frame is that? That was two. Let's see. That was, um, 90. I joined that company in 2000. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Joined that company in 2000 by 2000, um, 2002 b- became a manager of the electric department. Um, October, 2004, I became the GM of the company owners, uh, got divorced. Wife bought the husband out, put me in charge of the whole thing. I took the company from a million to 17 million over the next four years. Some of it on accident, just uh, pure leadership. But I was running, man. If I hired an HVAC guy, you had to know how to how to maintenance it, sell it, install it, everything. Otherwise, because I didn't have installers, I ran it like uh, the way we ran our electrical <laughs> company back then. And now it's funny because now we run our plumbing and electrical companies more like you should run an HVAC company with installers that you know turn over. Sales don't happen by a technician. We turn over. Got it. I mean, so that's, that's really our process has been really successful in HVAC. So we really adapted that at some point in plumbing and, and electric. So that's now you're to what year? Is this so, where- so that, that was about 2008 that we got to 17 million. But during that time we joined, uh, that's when we joined, initially joined SGI and then we joined, um, you know, which that Jim Abrams clockwork owned at the time. And then from there we became a franchise. So by, um, 2007, we were, a, we were franchisees and we got acquired. We were one of the first stores acquired by, uh, Jim and the, and the parent company. And then eight months later, I became their first regional manager. So when did you and Jim like start to develop that, like a relation? Did it, did that start it? I mean, was it, was that years down, like years later where you started to get a little bit more? No. So, well, so during that time, it wasn't really a, a relationship outside of what everybody else was. It was more, you know, I was in, um, you know, listen to his podcast. He talks about his one time taught general manager class that many people were successful out of. Um, Jimmy Hiller was one of them. Leland Smith was another. I was in that class. So it's more like a, a client. When did Darren, when Darren, did Darren? Darren actually was his um, second command in clockwork at the time. Got it. Okay. So Darren really, um, that was actually right around that GM class is about where, where Darren had kind of left the company to pursue something else. And that's actually when that's one of the reasons why I got promoted to a regional manager. So gotcha. kind of funny. I, I reported to Darren at that time, um, or, you know, up to about actually the time of the general manager class, I, I got that wrong. Darren was second in command. It was actually a couple of years later, um, right after they acquired our store. Cause it was actually Darren who came and did the diligence and was the one, one who actually acquired our, our store in Denver. And, um, it was a couple of years or about a year after that, that Darren, Darren left. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, so that takes you to what, 2010 and you're now. That was 2008 that I became a regional <clears throat> manager for them uh, at the end of 2008. So going into 2009 and uh, got a couple of their challenge stores in one was Nashville. So I, I was there turning that around. And then Southern California was, was this place where, you know, they had a bad acquisition in LA. They had two brand really three branches there. They had one in Palm Springs, LA and Riverside. And the one in LA uh, was a bad acquisition and several people were a lot of resources going out. Again, I, 
I, t I tell people the big problem these companies have typically is a branch that goes south. And this this was one that really Jim wanted to have an IPO. And that was kind of the, the goal at the time was to go public. And this store was like, I remember him talking on stage a couple different times, like was just giving him so much trouble. And I literally remember there's certain times you could remember back in your life, right? <laughs> I remember praying, God put me, because my whole goal was I was a GM topped out. I wasn't the owner. I was part owner, small part in Denver, but wasn't going to go anywhere else wanted to be acquired by them. So I was really pressing to make that happen so I could grow, grow up through that organization. And I remember sitting there praying, like, God, send me anywhere to any of their branch. I'll do anything. Just don't send me there to L.A. And later I end up owning the store. That's a funny story. <laughs> but that's how that normally goes down. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It is. Um, but, <laughs> but that's how that happened. And um, so um, they put me to Southern California, went there in 2009, fixed a lot of challenges throughout the 2009 long story won't get into the details but the th that year they lost a lot of money and at the end of that year well I, that's when clockwork was i didn't know it at the time but that's when they were looking to they, they were talking to direct energy and getting that loss off their books made sense so we were actually going to sell the company back to the old owner and um, when i found that out literally uh, november i believe it was 2009 I was, uh, or yeah, yeah, 2009, I was like, man, all that work I just did to fix it or selling it. And I said to Jim, I said, so when he told me, I said, what are we selling it for? And it's just, just the way he is. His automatic response was, why you want to buy it? <laughs> and my immediate response was like, heck no, no way. Right. <laughs> and so, so I say no. And, but then it got for the first time, whatever, him saying that got me thinking about it. In the same conversation, I said, well, what would that look like? I would still want to be a regional manager. How could I do both? And then he realized I shouldn't have said that and starts talking me off of it, out of it. And now it's my job to go finish the deal with the with getting that sold, right? And um, so, and he told me, like, make sure nobody finds this out, right? <laughs> and and so, so... <laughs> So, you know, and at this time, the relationship was, you know, I reported directly to him, which in a lot of ways for that period of time was like getting a master's in this industry. But he was, he was Jim Abrams and I reported to him. I mean, that's, that's, that was the relationship, right? So that never left my head though. And uh, I kept thinking about, well, what if I did buy it? What if I, how could that work? You know, and it just, for some reason wouldn't leave my head. So I brought it to my wife and I said, Hey, what if I had an opportunity to acquire this store and we moved to Southern California and her immediate response was like, no way, shut it down. It ain't <laughs> happening. And I remember, I remember again, back to another time. I remember praying like, God, if that's where you want me, you'll work it out. And not that I, I had zero thought that that would ever happen. It was out of my mind. I was going to work that out. I'm on a layover. I land in Vegas, going to Southern California to finish the deal. And I get this voicemail that I've never gotten from Jim before. And he said, Hey, um, need you to call me. If I'm in a meeting, tell him to pull me out. And I'm thinking, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> and so I call him and, and a, a number of crazy things happened that, um, led him to give me an offer. I really couldn't refuse stay regional manager and acquire these stores. And so in that period of time, I think my wife started talking to some of her friends about the opportunity. Like, what if he brought this up and, and I didn't even know that was happening, but she was kind of a little more open to it. I called her, told her, and she's like, yeah, we can't not do that. So the plan was to move to Southern California, get a GM in place and, 
and get it running and move back to Colorado. We moved there, loved it, never left at that. And, you know, we just did a year ago for other reasons, but, um, you know, we moved there was the greatest thing. Really. That's what really launched personally my life to the next level. But I remember the accountant who was doing audits for clockwork during that time. When I told her, she took me out back and was like, you don't understand. I've been here doing, I've been doing everything with it. This company financial, you cannot buy it. You will bankrupt yourself. Do not do it. And her name was uh, Joanne Clark. And years later, she, she said, remember that time I told you like not to buy that company. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, cause it was, it was, I was either going to bankrupt my family or succeed. Like there really was no in between. Cause it, it had lost a lot that year. And it was, you know, I knew where I had it, but I'd also never owned my own business at the time either. So it was a major risk. I did stay a regional manager for a year, hit all my numbers there, helped them transition with direct energy, became direct energy's biggest franchisee. And, uh, now I'm direct Energy's biggest franchisee in Southern California with a lot of clout really with the franchisees and they decide their, their president of a uh, of franchise decides they're going to sell a territory out from under me. And that among the direction I seen that they were going, I was like, I'm out, I'm, I'm leaving the brands. How do we figure this out? Went back and forth with them for a while and they decided we don't want that kind of that fallout with anybody else. So let us acquire your store. So now I've got this decision, sell the store or fight the 40 billion, they're owned by Centrica. They were a $40 billion company, right? So, you know, I'm like, geez. So I start going through the process and, and, um, again, great story, but to make that story short, I, uh, we're at the 11th hour and I think I'm selling it to them. I do have, I always have plan B ready to go for anything. So I'm always prepared. So I did have a brand change guy with a naming company, paid him a lot of money to come up with a new name design, everything in case that didn't, that didn't go through. Cause I was going to be free to leave the franchise. So we did our company Christmas party in Vegas every year. And I'm there. I'll never forget. It's Friday the 13th. I'm yeah. sitting there. Saturday's our Christmas party. Saturday night. Um, we, I, I'm friends with Nelly. He comes out, um, rapper Nelly. Yep. You know that is right. So he comes out and, he, no one knows he's coming. I have this whole thing coming Saturday night, the next day. I'm sitting there on Friday and they start getting weird. They had this planned. <laughs> so they come to me and try to lower the price by a million dollars for, and the reasons were just absolute BS. They had people on planes on their way to California already. I mean, the deal was done, right? They were trying to wait till the 11th hour and try this on me, right? And so. I'm like, I handled their objections, like no way. And so they get on the phone with me. They said, look, you're trying to get to a number. We're trying to get to a number, you know, oh, by the way, important to this before this happens, literally like the day before I pray, mm -hmm. God, if this isn't the best thing for me, make something happen. I didn't mean that. I didn't, it was naive prayer. It really was. And so this all starts happening and suddenly they're like, okay, well, it's late in the day. We, we, we just need to extend the LOI. We still want to work this out. And I said, no, this says if you fail to transact by Monday, I'm out. And they were kind of like, oh, no way. And so make a long story short, I end up leaving, changing brands through that, growing through that. A year later, ARS comes knocking, right? 
And at the time, really economically and different things, kind of like today, but just at that time, I thought the world was just going to, to crap. And they come knocking and offer to buy the company. I wasn't looking to sell it, but they come offering to buy the company one year later for three times what they were going to buy it for a year before. So I'm thinking, like, you know, got to be a God thing, right? Well, yeah, so that's got to be, like, you would think that because it happened, like it all happened in the eleventh hour, and it's like now that's got to be like affirmation, right? Right. So I mean, didn't sell before that was pretty obvious, and now this is happening, so this has to be God's plan, right? Yeah, got to be. So I sell it, and um, you know everything that was happening at the time, I really believed I, I was supposed to, and um, so I did. Stayed on with ARS for a couple of years, and. Uh, you know, not too long after to this day, I've, you know, I've bought and sold and grown many different companies. That's the one that, that one, I, that's the biggest regret of my life, but you know what that's I your did? Biggest regret. It is. You know what I didn't do at that time? I didn't pray about it. I assumed. Cause you think, right? Like that, that this, this whole thing, I didn't, but I didn't confirm. I didn't pray, but I didn't say, is this the best thing? You know, I didn't, I didn't. And I can, one thing I, you know, that I would, I would tell people, at least from my own experiences, and I got lots of these, by the way, <laughs> I can look back and affirm, like I can really truly look back and say, when I prayed about it and truly was looking for that guidance, things worked out really well. Yeah. And like the times I did it. Intentional. Yes. yes. And the times I didn't was kind of on, on my own or assumed, you know, didn't always work out so well. So, you know, and that's been so true so consistently in my life. And if you just focus and try to see those things, you know, um, that can be a real help in, in anyone's life through business to per any experience, not just business, just, just your life. That, that is, that is life. Smartac.com, smartac.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. Smartac.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. So it's interesting to hear you say that because you would you would think that it, it was successful because you went from this one offer to now three times the offer. And what's interesting to me, though, is um, because I'm a guy who um, I pray every morning for uh, obviously just for the day, this is the fact that I opened my eyes and I have another opportunity, a clean slate to do something great. Um, and I pray for my family, my employees, my customers, and my partnerships every single morning, like clockwork. But sometimes the, re the reason I use the word intentional prayer, sometimes you're just going through the motions yep. because my brain is, you know, I, I won't open my email until I have gotten all that stuff done. So I try not to do it until I get here, but sometimes that doesn't pan out. But, but I try to do those things every single morning, but some mornings I'm more intentional than others, you know, because I'm getting through the motions just so I can get to the email. You know, I yep. get to the prayer just so I can get to the email. So what I'm curious about is why do you think that you didn't follow that same regiment on that next transaction? Cause I assumed so much. So I knew the whole thing was a God thing all the way from before. And I just assumed all the way till now when I'm getting this offer and Again, what I believed the world was at the time, I was wrong. I mean, the world didn't 
you know, it's kind of like right now, people are like, a recession's definitely coming. This is definitely going to happen. We don't know definitely nothing. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, it looks that way, but it kind of looked that way to me then, too. Yeah. So all that together, I just assumed. Um, so I don't, you know. And you're like in I, your early 30s at this point, right? Somewhere around there? Yeah, uh, 36. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, obviously at 36, so much ahead of you to go, but but you've experienced a lot in that in that time frame and learned from arguably one of the best to have done it. And so you've kind of gotten this, like I think you'd said, kind of get your master's degree in, in this industry. And um, a lot of things are going well for you. So I can see why you would assume you were that was playing out. Um, but then what? What's next? Well, then, so then I, uh, you know, was on with ARS, but now I'm just an employee, right? So. And that doesn't feel the same. No, <laughs> you know, um, I've learned I'm not, I'm not, if I'm not a shareholder, I have some sort of tie in. I'm not, I'm not employable. So it's good to know about myself. Yeah, though, right? it's self-aware. That's yeah, fair. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, I mean, I did my part with them and was with them for two years and accomplished a number of things with them. And I learned a lot. I mean, that that's where I learned the Home Depot. Suddenly I had, a, you know, we took their stores and actually reversed. So we didn't change right time was my company. I didn't change that to ARS. We changed ARS to right time and um, merged two big companies together that had two very different cultures. Um, that was a, that was an extremely good learning experience for me, but Wait, also, hang on, a second, hang on a second. I'm sorry to cut you off. You, so you didn't have ARS, like marketing wise, was it, it was right time and not so much ARS. Yeah. So how did you pull it off? Were you like rogue AR? Like, were you like the rogue, you know, uh, friend? How'd that plan out? We changed, we changed, we changed. We went through a brand change with ARS in Southern California with their, their, with the branches I had. So I was a division president. It was my division. And, and we, they, they, ARS was their only client base was Home Depot for the most part. I mean, 90 something percent. So the retail. So they really, ARS didn't mean anything. They didn't have any equity there. Um, right time did. Got so, it. so it made sense and everybody agreed. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons they acquired us to deleverage themselves from Home Depot, um, which it just ended up back leveraged with Home Depot. So today that store is, you know, nothing, right. nothing, like, nothing of what it was. So right. it's mostly, it's pretty much all Home Depot now. Okay. Sorry to derail you. Yeah. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, you're fine. So then I retired. I literally retired, um, was actually talking with Jim, almost got in, actually almost got in the restaurant industry yeah, right before a, COVID. He's got Thank few, God I didn't. Yeah, that he has a bad. few of them down in uh, yeah. South Florida, or down in like Sarasota or somewhere yeah. in there. Well, at the time we were actually talking about creating a restaurant group, kind of like these HVAC groups like SGI or Nextstar. We, I mean, we're, and that he's great at, he's a great visionary, yeah. great at that type of stuff, at putting together like that type of stuff. <laughs> And so I was like, well, this is a lot. I mean, by then. So after he retired, actually, is when we became really close. Okay. And, um, you know, during the time I reported to him, I got a lot of, you know, personal advice and business advice and learned a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. But then after, it was really after he he um, he was done with clockwork is when our relationship personally really got got super close from then on. And, and, and you know, he's, he's really like a father. I tell him I'm his adopted kid. So <laughs> he's... A, but anyway, we were looking, I was looking into all kinds of different industries and, and realized, you know what, this is what I know. You can scale these businesses, you know, once you know what you're doing at any size, any, you know, any speed. That's why private equity is getting into our space so heavy is they're realizing if we can find people that know how to do this, this is probably the best industry you could be in, period. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I was like, okay, it's a lot. I've been off for a little while. That's when we went and found that company in Denver and said, let's go again. 
Got it. So now here you are. Here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to ask just a few things because this is something I'm always curious about is anybody who's had some success uh, has also had some failures of things you've learned a long way to become successful too. And we'll hit on that piece a little bit later, but is there like one thing or like one moment or one like attribute, something that you can say that's helped you achieve success? Is it like, is there just something that you know, like, Hey, I, is it just, I, Hey, I don't, I know I'm going to be successful. So you have like that mental switch is on. You can't shut it up. What is it? Like, what is it that you think that has allowed you to be successful? Yeah, I think it's a lot of those things. Um, you know, uh, one is definitely, I'm, I mean, it it is how I'm wired. We're gonna, whatever I'm doing, I gotta be the best at. Otherwise I don't want to do it. Um, you know, I don't play golf a lot because I'm not great at it because I don't do it enough. So I don't, I try not to do it. And it wastes three, <laughs> however many hours. Yeah. I can't do it. And the thing, I like it when I do it, but I'm like, but yeah. I'm not good at it. So that makes me not like it. So <laughs> I, I gotta be, I gotta really, whatever it is I do, I gotta be all the way back from when I was working at McDonald's. I'd compete on who was, who was making the food the fastest. I mean, it didn't matter what it is, the what it is, whatever it is I do, I'm going to push to the next level. And, um, that's just how I'm wired. So that, that sounds that, familiar. <laughs> so there, there's that. And then, um, you, you have, you know, I've gotten definitely, I've surrounded intentionally surrounded myself with super successful people. You know, you want to always try to surround yourself with people who know things that you don't. So I'm, I mean, I'm friends with Leland Smith, Ken Goodrich, you know, obviously a uh, whole different level, yep. Jim Abrams, um, um, even Dave Slot, who was the the, the C, um, CEO of ARS, um, a lot of a lot of these people, you know, I've surrounded Darren Dixon, Darren, yep. you know, um, but even some of these people that have worked for me, like Brian, Brian, the, my GM. I mean, he he would this guy was the youngest head strength coach in all of college football, and explain what a head strength coach is, just in high level. Yeah, they're the ones who um, who they're the trainers, they're the ones who train you and. And, and he did it for football, basketball, and women's soccer there. Okay. And um, so he was the one who put together the plans for the athletes, the football team. And, you know, um, in that industry, you're working a lot and you could be out of a job tomorrow, no matter, you know, the head coach is fired, the whole squad typically is gone. Yeah. And he, he uh, left that career to come learn our industry. And Weird. I told him he's going to be super successful in doing it and sold him on it. And he moved from Florida to California. And, um, you know what that guy is a call and he had zero sales background or experience at all zero management i mean at all completely different industry like world a hundred percent like you know moved there um that's actually found god became christian through that church uh found his wife kid like watching god work through his life during that time was freaking amazing (laughs) but he's um he's a guy who listens to all of these podcasts and many pod, he's always developing himself. He's always, you know, um, you know, so there's times where he's, he's given meetings and I'm writing notes, right? So there's even people on my own team that, uh, you know, that have different strengths. My journal manager in, um, in Denver, his name's Adam. He's a uh, super, super, super strong where Brian and him are super strong or, and we all have weaknesses, right? Yeah. And we are different, different areas. So it's really cool to develop these guys and, and also learn from my own people as I watch kind of some of the things that, that they do. Got it. So sounds like you got some pretty solid GMs, like 
Yeah. GM game is strong. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's, I guess, if, the, if there's one thing I pride myself on and that helps me be successful that I think is unique in the industry is I've, I have an ability to, to develop those people. You know, if you ask Jim, uh, Jim Abrams today, actually, what, what his number one weakness was and what he had trouble with in, in our industries, it was just consistent. And that's not just Jim Abrams. That's the entire industry developing those general managers consistently. And we have that down even to the point where we're putting together a program where we're just going to start taking those Brian's who have no experience, right profile, right wiring. We have, we have tools that tell us about, you know, successful tools that we've proven to be super successful and telling us that that's the right person for that position and then developing them over 18 months and putting them, putting them in branches. And if we can do that at scale, then you can, you can scale sustainably. Yes. Yeah, so you're incubating your own GMs. Right. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, well that's, I mean, cause you have to, you have to be able to, well, you've heard the like cliche term delegate to elevate, but you also have to somebody, you have to have somebody who's competent enough and gets it to manage that whole thing. Cause you can't do all that. Right. Like on your, like you're not doing it. So no. yeah. And, and, um, th- and I see like, you know, because I've been in this industry, you know, 15 years for me too. And, and I've gotten to know lots of GM, hundreds of GMs. Um, it's interesting to kind of see, uh, who's doing what today, who's went where, who's stayed put, who's gone on to be say maybe a coach or a trainer today, you know, things like that. Just kind of need to see how the industry evolves too. But that GM role seems to be like the key position where I can see some businesses make or break. It is. Yeah, for sure. Consistently across the board. Now, so another thing that, you know, that I've learned about you too, is that, um, you know, sometimes you can, you can gauge you know, the culture of business by, uh, employee retention, like, or people who want to come in and work for you. And you've had people that will basically like follow you, you know, if you go and open, even, even go to a different state, like you'll have people follow you to that state, which to me, like on the outside looking in, people don't do that if they don't believe in you, your leadership style, maybe your values, like the ability, whatever it is. But like, is there, why is it that you think you're having so much success with people who will kind of run through a wall with you and, and follow you kind of wherever? Um, because of how I treat them. Um, you know, it, it really comes down to leadership. First off, doing what I say I'm going to do them knowing I truly have their best interests. I will develop them. I have a track record of doing so. Um, I'll hold them accountable, but, um, you know, we're also, I'll reward them and I'll create, I'll help them, uh, create a culture that is just, you know, it's hard to find. It's hard to find just the type of culture we have. It's, it's a different level and, um, you know, it's professional, but it's also, we have a lot of fun and, and do a lot of things together and, um, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. And within our organizations, we've all grown together and done a lot of cool things. This, you know, the P situation right now is, is the coolest thing we've ever done together. And we're all learning that together. And it's, um, you know, we call our, our leadership style servant leadership. So it's our job. So it's my job to really serve them. It's yeah. their job to serve our, our team or it's our team's job to serve our clients. If we all do that really well, we all win. And, you know, a lot of times, most people, everybody has, has their own selfish motivations for things. But at the end of the day, a lot of people really, their motivation is only them and people can see through that. And, you know, if you have more leaders than managers in positions, you'll be more successful. And we ask everybody that we hire, you know, what's the difference? And um, what do you think the, the most common answers are? If I ask you, what's the difference between leadership and, and management? Uh, somebody 
telling you what to do versus helping you do, like actually do the, yeah. or manage the performance. Yeah. So that's an example. So leader versus manager, the, the big difference really is leaders have followers. So I get to choose who I follow. You don't get to choose that, right? So people could choose to follow me. They don't have to. But as a manager, if I tell you to do a task and you work for me, well, you want to keep your job, so you do the task. But if you view me as a leader and you get to make that choice, that task and the, the level you'll perform that task is much higher if you view me as a leader, right? And so if you have a, a company full of leaders in management positions all the way from the GM down, you'll have a whole team that'll run through a wall for for you and and that's when great things happen. I mean, we've scaled many companies very fast and that's a big part of it. So interesting. That's interesting because <clears throat> I kind of view leadership and management as two different roles, like two very effective roles, but two different roles. And I'll tell you what, even though I am the CEO of Rhino, I'm an, I'm a very poor manager. Um, Ryan knows Ryan reports to me. Um, I'm just not, I don't have whatever that skill set is to kind of stay regimented to manage this person. Um, I don't know. I just, some, I mean, even though I went through classes, I've learned, I've tried to do things and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm probably like really downplaying. I'm better than I probably think I am at doing it because at the end of the day, the core is I want to see the person be as successful as they can possibly be. And so if I'm not managing them correctly to with this certain level of accountability to, you know, hit their education, you know, that they have to do every single month and that it's meaningful education that's making them better. If I'm not doing these things, I'm doing them a disservice, even though the intent is right, even mm -hmm. though the intent is good, but the leadership role I naturally fall into. And it's not me saying I'm a really good leader and patting myself on the back. I just know my place. And it's one of those things I'm good at because the passion and the, um, and the, the intent behind it puts me in that space and I'm a driver. So I know how to create a vision. Kind of like you, you get like laser focused on something. I know how to get after it and go get it. The problem is, is that you put those blinders on, which then in turn makes me focus on the task at hand and allows me if something's got to like bend and break somewhere, typically it's my management, you know, like I'll, I'll blow past a, a week and not have a meeting that I know I should have had because there's probably something I could have caught in it, but I didn't do it because yep. I'm thinking this one's a little bit more important than this one. But the intent is good. You know what I'm saying? I do. So I'm not a good manager of people, but I feel like I'm a good leader of people. Yeah. So, um, and really, so managers are all leaders. If you have authority over people, you're in a, a leadership lead, you, you, role. Yeah. So you might be a bad leader or a good leader. Yeah. And that's, that's really what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I'm not so exactly, I'm the same. So my detail orientation on my personality trait, like is my lowest <laughs> trait. It's not my, you know, um, you know, the guy that was kind of going over this whole thing with my team was like, don't send George long emails. Don't send them. I mean, be quick to the point. And if you could fit it in the subject line, do it. Does that sound familiar, Ryan? <laughs> yes, it does. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's me. I mean, you could do it if it's important. You have to, you will, mm -hmm. but only like you don't want to right. naturally. Right. Yep. And that's, I'm the same. So, but, um, but I will manage the things that are important. I will point things out. Not as often as I probably should. Right. However, you know, I don't micromanage and I have managers in places to do most of that anyways. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, if you have the right people and they're leaders and we're all leaders, then, you know, everything you just said, isn't, isn't, we're all grow. There's areas right. we're growing. You're just not 
on a calendar, you don't have to be on a calendar, super intentional all the time, but they know you have their best heart. They know that's why they stick around with, that's why they'll follow you. And they have developed a lot because of you do have the intent. doesn't mean you have to have the, the great, you know, detail orientation of it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I think at the end of the day, you, you mentioned heart. Um, I use like our core values. My, I was just asked this question yesterday about uh, the values of, of Rhino. And I, I wear them on my wrist and we have them and everybody memorizes them. But all of them that are in place, I have a foundational one. And the foundational one that comes, that everything else comes from is the genuinely care. If you genuinely care and you're not faking it, you then keep, people, you can't fake it. Yeah, you can't. That's what I'm saying. So, but if you are, they know it. That's what I'm saying. You can't, they'll know it and they'll view, they won't follow you. So that's the following thing, right? Yep. They will not follow you because if you're faking it, they know it. They will know it. They're not dumb. You can't fake it till you make it when it comes to that, right. because you can't, you won't get it right. Like you won't be able to like put on, like you won't get it right. It's going to be caught. And then when it is, I think it's hard to overcome that. Yep. You know, unless you just, you, you recognize you're doing it and you own it. Mm-hmm. That's like the best way to overcome it is just be accountable and own it. But, um, but then again, is that really the person that you want leading? Yeah, it depends. You know what uh, I mean? do, do they have the ability? Like maybe I've had- they have the ability to, uh, to, uh, you know, to learn. Cause maybe they don't necessarily know, like maybe they do, but don't know how to actually put it out there. Yeah. So I've learned, um, their, their leadership is a God given trait. So you either have it or you don't. If you have it, I can develop you to be a better leader. So you can learn a lot, but there are, there are definitely, you know, a num- most, you know, not everybody's meant to be a leader, right? but, and if you're not, you know, everybody has their place. That's fine. But if you are, you could be not a great leader, but have the natural ability and, and be a much better leader and learn. So it just depends on, you know, everybody's got to learn to lead themselves first. So there is, everybody does need to learn leadership to some extent, but when you're leading other people, I I do believe it's a trait that you either have or don't. And then if you do develop it and continue, I'm still continually developing it all the time. Yeah. Me too. You know, what's cool about this podcast is I basically get to have education every week. Yeah. Yeah, Because I talk to so many great leaders, you know, and so many different companies and people have been through different things. And so I constantly get an education. So even though this is like another full-time job, um, it's also what I consider my education, my monthly education. Some things like I walk away from and I don't know that I've really learned anything new and that's okay because I have, you know, similar conversations, but there's plenty of things that I do walk away from. So I'm like constantly trying to learn. I'm humble enough to know, like I just said to you, I said to everybody else, the tens of thousands of people who listen to this podcast that I suck at managing people. <laughs> um, I'm self-aware enough to know those things. Um, that doesn't mean I don't, I don't care about it because I, I do. I'm just self-aware enough to know, like, I'm not good at that. So I'm going to put somebody else in place who is, I'll do my best. I can manage like three people at best, right? At best, but different tasks. This is amazing. I don't know if you have this. I have ADHD. So, um, but I've always been really good at managing my own chaos of things I'm trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I thrive in the chaos. Like I know I've got 10 different things to do. I'll get that stuff in my calendar. I put it now that we have our, you can throw all the reminders in your phone. I have all the technology in place to help trigger things. But if I don't like compartmentalize my days in my calendar, I can still seem to manage a decent amount of tasks to kind of get towards the goal, which is weird. But I suck at that when it comes to people. So I can't manage all of mine and theirs effectively. Does that make sense? Yeah. So 
you went down this, and I, I'm always interested to anybody who comes on who's kind of is playing in this um, whole sponsor-based game, the private equity game, um, and and you're in it, and you've learned a lot through it, and um, you know you, um, from your perspective, are you liking being in this space? Um, like, how's that going for you? Like, are you loving? Are you loving it? Do you yep. like it? Is it you're a, com- you say you're competitive, like you're going to McDonald's and trying to like bag shit the fastest, you know, right. whatever it is, yeah. you know, try to cook the best burger, even though that, you know. Yeah, I'm super competitive. <laughs> so like when we went into Denver, we said, okay, who's the biggest? Okay. We're going to be bigger than them. And that's our goal. That's part of our mission. And now we are this year. So now we're the biggest, went from nothing to the biggest in that marketplace in five years. Well now it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm backed by P who's the biggest. Okay. It's ranch group. Okay. What's the plan to get, to get there bigger than them, faster friends with a lot of them, but you know, um, we're all in the, in, we're all competing. We're all friends, but a lot of market, you know, to, that we share, but let me ask that's my question. goal. Let me ask you a quick question on that. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm, and when it comes to like goal setting, I think that there can be a right way to do this and a wrong way to do this. And here's what I mean. That's a big goal. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. because, I really respect the Ridge Group. I've got a great relationship with a lot of the brands within that, with Ken Haynes, with a lot of those guys I have good relationships with. Um, but there's a difference between a, a vision, like a goal, and a dream, mm-hmm. right? Because a dream, you don't have the plan to work back from to actually get to yet. Whether that's you just don't know, it's too big, it's whatever. So – is that a dream or is that a legit goal that you have in place that you've got a plan that you're working towards to become that thing or that, that is a legit goal. Okay, cool. With a plan. Um, you know, we, we only got so much time here, so I haven't went over, yeah, yeah. you know, I've, I've owned a company in, in Seattle that we scaled quickly here in Arizona, actually. Um, so there, you know, Dallas, uh, once before as well. So I understand the different markets. Um, we understand marketing really well, uh, as you do. We understand um, how to scale these. I mean, the difference between ours and anybody's is, and it's just just a fact, is how fast we scale these individual companies once we get them. Why, most, you, why most is people, that happening so quick? I mean, you went are, from are, zero to nine that first year up in the. I mean, yeah, well, the, the one in Dallas right now, we just we just acquired the end of last year, and it was twelve to thirteen five years straight. We'll we'll be twenty two this year. No acquisitions. How are you making this happen so fast? So, um, well, in Dallas, we're using Rhino. So <laughs> can we buy it, baby? Uh, uh, no, we're really, um, you know, from a, from a, a media standpoint, we're really smart in, in how we do it. Um, our system, our philosophy is different than everybody else. It really is. So, you know, we'll all, when we do do a maintenance, we actually pull it apart and clean it. Most companies won't do it or they'll charge 400 to a thousand dollars to do it. And we exploit that in marketing. We actually do it. We show the client every time. And other people try to copy us, but when their system is the typical system where now you walk into a room full of technicians who their maintenance is, is, you know, nothing. It's 20 minutes is a quick check because they want to find the repair. And now you say, Hey guys, you now have to spend 90 minutes on each one of these. You'll have a mass exit unless you know how to, and we know all the ins and outs and there's a lot to it. If you don't do it right, you'll crash your company. So they can't, they can't really copy unless they really understand that. And there's few companies that really truly do it. And that's the right thing to do. I mean, Jim Abrams is actually one of the people who 
created maintenance? What is it to be preventative? Well, what's dirt is the number one killer of furnace and air conditioners. So you got to clean the dirt out Well, in doing that and showing the client builds so much value and so much trust that they won't ever use anybody else for one. If you follow the process, right. And they tell everybody, <laughs> if you ever need anybody, we call it getting referrals intentionally. Most people get them on accident. Hey, Chris, you know of a, a, a plumber? I need one. Yeah, I use this company. They were all right. It's on accident. They asked you, right? Intentionally, it's Chris, if you ever need a plumber, you got to call these guys. If you ever need an HVAC guy, you need to call these. Listen to this story. And we try to go so far above their expectation, even fixing stuff at the home that has nothing to do with the, with the, with the job. I mean, you know, we have a whole system and a whole process we teach that we created. It's our own. Um, that's very different than any any other what or any other organization teaches and that's how so our culture is really just doing the right thing too so if you do the right thing we even teach every single person we hire you can sell way more honestly than dishonestly you know you'll be you'll be done if you even tell somebody something that's slightly untrue i really believe god that's the way god made the world work just do the right thing the mm -hmm. money will come and we tell every technician if you ever go into a home thinking about money you will fail Never do that. Just always do the right thing. Serve them well. The money will come. Yeah. And, and all of our guys make more than they ever have. Any company we acquire, we tell everybody, hey, you know, Dallas last year is a great example. Those people that what we told them was going to happen here with you guys personally, the culture, the growth, they'll tell you now in their own words, they thought we were full of crap. Yeah. And now it's all happened yeah. already. It's only been eight months. Yeah. So, so I think it's the mindset Mind and that's flown from the top. First thing we teach down. mindset. Yeah, top down. And so does this um, incubation of GMs also play a factor in some of these things too? All of it. Yeah. All of it. I mean, a major factor, a little bit. So it seems like you're kind of firing on all cylinders on all the major pillars of the business. So you're able to scale. I asked that question just because it's like once could be an accident and it's happened again and again and again, it's right. on purpose. It's right. a process that's in place. And so it's just intriguing to me because there's some people who are listening to this podcast right now that have been sitting at a million, two million, three million, and they're like, can't get past that three million hump. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like they've learned a little bit from one to three, and then you hit another plateau, and they've been stuck there for like four, three, four. I hear these stories. People reach out to me and say, hey, man, can Rhino come and save the day? They got no recruiting plan in place. They're asking for this growth plan with no staffing to support the growth plan, right? I mean, it's a, it's a dream of like, yeah, we can get these guys, but there's really nothing in place to support that. You're right. So I just wonder like, man, it can't just be, you know, an accident when it's happening again and again and again, which means you got some things figured out. You got some processes in place. And I believe just based on your faith alone, um, that this is the platform you've been given to serve the masses. That's what I believe. hundred percent. This is, this is for sure with the platform. Yes. And, so, and you said something that is, that is very important that people should write down on purpose. Right. And that's what people, people just go through every day, just winging it. They don't have a purpose. They don't have, you know, they don't plan. That's another word, right? Plan or be planned for. You yep. probably heard that before, right? Yep. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yep. Always be listening to, whether it's listening to these podcasts. I mean, I guarantee you, and you guys out there listening, you, you can decide if you're one or not. There's a lot of people that listen to these podcasts and listen to, to the guests speaking, right? And they're thinking as they're listening, you know, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. That's great. That's... And they don't, they don't write it down. They don't make a plan. They don't do anything with it. They listen. There might be a thing here and there. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. there's a lot that they, 
they a lot more that they should. There's a lot of contacts that offer to, uh, you know, for them to reach out and they're scared to, or they, whatever. I'm another one. Another thing I didn't say on here is I've mentored to thousands, literally thousands of other business owners that have scaled their businesses just like I have without me ever even going, stepping foot in their branch. And I love doing that. It's yeah. one of the things that motivates me. This is the servant leadership piece of you. Exactly. Yep. It actually motivates me. I, I truly love doing that. So, and I've never charged a penny yeah. to, to help somebody or to answer questions or to ever. So give with that expectation. What was that? You're giving with that expectation. Yeah. Love it. Hang on a second. In regards to that whole listen to the podcast and, you know, maybe be inspired by something and do all these things. And then you don't, you can, you like kind of get back once a podcast is done and you've moved on to the next job, you've kind of let that fall out and you end up doing nothing with it. Do you know what that rule is called, Ryan? The 95-5 rule. So I talk about this all the time. Anytime I'm doing a keynote, breakout, anything where I have an opportunity to talk to a crowd of home service companies, I, I lead with that. I say, of all these years, the hundreds of these speeches that I've given over the year, I lead with the 95-5 rule. And the 95-5 rule is that I'm going to share with them things that they can do with their business that might have some sweat equity, but be zero, but have zero cost. Like I'm going to give them things that factually work to move their business forward. They'll be excited. I'll go out and speak. They'll take a bunch of notes and they go back and they don't do it. They do nothing. 95% of the people sitting in that room will do absolutely nothing with the facts I just gave them to move their business forward that wouldn't cost them any money whatsoever. 95%. Yep. But the 5% that do are the ones that become successful. And I didn't say like the biggest, I'm just saying become successful because they're going back and implementing things. And if they implement it and it doesn't work the way they thought it would work, you make some tweaks to it and you try it again, or you realize that doesn't work. Let's do it this way. But they did something to move the business forward. They did something. Yep. So that 5% rule is the one where I've been looking at it for years. And somebody just messaged me the other day and said, Hey man, look, I'm a 5%er. I heard you at this um, conference, which to me is like the best thing to hear. Anytime somebody says they took something that I was able to give them and then they move their business forward and they share it with me, mm -hmm. not even a customer of mine, right. not even a customer of mine is so rewarding. It so, is. so listeners be a 5%er, take this stuff and run with it and do something with it. And guess what? If you don't know how, like George is just saying, he's helped a lot of people. He's not asking for anything in return. He's just doing the work that on the platform he's been given to serve, take advantage of it. At the end of this day, we'll get, maybe we'll get some contact info too, see if you can help out. But um, I love that you've kind of entered into this PE space with that kind of faith as your foundation piece of going and, and serving the masses too. I think it's a really great spot to be. It is. Um, while you're doing earthly, like earthly things, like mm -hmm. this is the task you've been given and you're going to execute. And if you don't do it, somebody else is going to get it. Right. But you're the man for the job. You've made that clear. You're a competitor. Like you and me actually have a lot of similarities and like, I think how we go about things. Cause I utilize all of this as my platform. Sure. Sir. So, but you're in that PE space and the PE space can be scary. All right. Because you don't, you hear, you hear like, Oh, well, what happens? And once you go into the PE group and like, did it really go as they said it was going to go? Or kind of like you said, man, at the last hour, somebody is trying to come and mm -hmm. change, right? you know, change up what the offer is going to be by a million dollars. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, in the nth hour, like to me, that's the scary stuff. And, and, and that might be a bit of an extreme today. Maybe it's not, I don't know. You know better than me, but like, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, there's definitely always going to well, be companies that do that, but yeah, let's, well, let's, let's talk. That's a great segue. Cause like, let's talk about that. What are some of these things that people should be paying attention to, you know, when kind of going down that path and, and, or even thinking to go down the path of bringing on a private equity partner to help, like from your perspective, obviously I've heard Ken, Leland, Kenny Haynes, 
Dave Geiger, like you know, Paul, uh, Paul Kelly, all these guys kind of talk about their different variations of it too at different levels. So, but like from your perspective, like what is that? What should we pay attention to? Um, first off, somebody's got to, you know, if they're looking to join that game, sell their business or an exit plan, they got to first off know for sure their reasons. So their why, why do they want to, you know, some people do it for fear, like, oh, because private equity is taken over and that's really their only basis. I mean, that shouldn't be the reason. It shouldn't be a fear either. It shouldn't. No, it's it, a men- that's a mental, that's a mental oh, hun- change that needs to happen. A hundred percent. I mean, there's, there's realness to it, right? Their competitors are getting a lot smarter because a lot, I mean, private equity backed companies are a heck of a lot smarter than your mom and pop shops. That is mostly industry. So that, that's a fact. It is a fact. So you do, you better get better, right? You better if you're not going to going to get out. So you definitely need to do that. But, but you don't kinda, retreat. You don't be like, all right, well, I guess it's over for me. Right. Cause that's not no, the truth. That's not. And that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's not what you should do. So you either get better, get more intentional, do things on purpose, make a plan and figure out how am I going to get to that plan? Ask people and then go do it. Um, you know, there's a guy that we were looking at acquiring. We decided not to in Dallas before we, you know, acquired the one we did. And he was a uh, four to 5 million a year, mostly, home warranty actually. And, um, number of struggles, but man, that, and the company actually was what we realized, man, was just not, not in a great place. And I told him, here's the things you need to do. And if you do them, you're going to be successful. If you don't, you're in trouble. And I just talked to him literally, this was a year ago. He's now, he wanted to move to Florida. He wanted to, he wanted to sell the company. He really wanted to get to Florida. He now lived, found a GM as I told him to do, implemented the things I told him to do, joined some of the places I told him to, he now lives in Florida. His company's 10 million this year. His life is freaking one year, one year. He doubled his business and his life is great. So it doesn't take long. I mean, somebody's probably sitting there with a three, four or $5 million company. Yeah. You can double it in one year. I've done it so many times. It's not that hard, especially at that size. It's not that hard. If you're 20 million, you're not going to double next year. Probably right. right. You could, but that's hard. Do you, can you think you can double if you're in a market like, uh, you said three, four or 5 million. I mean, does, does that market matter for you? To, because you got to have no. opportunity. To be able to no, it doesn't. It Actually, doesn't? I'm getting ready to prove it because I'm going to acquire, in two weeks, we close on a company in, in Charleston that is four point something million. Watch, we'll be 10 to 12 next year. In 2000, mark my words right here. Okay. That company right now, in the last 12 months, is four to five million. We will do t- we will do over 10 for sure. Hopefully 12, I believe 12 next year. Okay. So we do. All right. That's what I we mean, do. That's what we do. That's what we do. So I would tell people, um, as they're thinking about, you know, so first off, really understand your why. Then, then, then it's who, you know, and then it's okay. Well, are, are is it, I'm staying on and running it. Is it, um, you know, I want, but I just want more support and want more, you know, but I want to take part equity and have, have opportunity in that. Most private equity groups as they get to scale, can't give you equity. They just can't. And I, I soon won't be able to either, but that can be an option with us. Um, the guy, you know, the company we, we, we acquired in Dallas, the owner took part equity and we'll probably do better on, I mean, the total just dollar figure will be more on the, and it was less than 10% equity. He'll, he'll make more on that than he did the, uh, the whole rest. Trying of, to do it himself on the, no, yeah. no, no, the whole rest of the purchase. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, just cause we're our equity uh, again, if you were, if you just could look back and say, Hey, at the beginning of ranch group, if you were a shareholder and so he you know, they 10. flipped a few times, right. They flipped a few times yeah. and what's the, how well have those people done? That's, that's kind of what we are now. And there is no, I mean, there truly is with our track record where we're going and our plan, there is no better place if you're trying to take, 
share value. If it's cash, then there's a number of places. If it's just cash and that's it, then there's a number of places. I mean, we all, we all are in the same range. So whether it's, you know, Gettle, Leland, uh, Wrench Group, ours, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're all, those are all good companies. Um, Whomever it is, make sure they have a really great operator, operating system behind it. For sure. For sure. And, you know, the top senior management really understanding there's a lot of bad private equity, private equity groups. I have a lot of say so in who we'll be with next. So, you know, that's what, that's, that's what you don't want is to get with, you know, a, a, a P group that really wants to come in and try to change anything or micromanage more than they should. Yeah. Well, and I get a lot of the listeners that reach out to me, I would say a guesstimate would be anywhere from a dozen People reach out to me on a monthly basis asking me because they're kind of nervous, you know, and, and I have a unbiased opinion on, you know, the different, because I work with so many, I have relationships with so many. I don't necessarily care where they go as long as they go to the place that is the best fit for them based on their why. Like that's, but I can connect the dots. And really a lot of it is if it's like the brokers, we're trying to like, you know, if it's a private equity firm, they'd rather me bypass that brokerage altogether and go straight to the actual contract. Watch, well, I understand the whole game too, but, sure. but people listening reach out to me often for those, you know, and, and I mean, I've, there's been, I've connected 18 consolidations this year, like uh, not even customers. Some of them have been my customers, but the majority aren't. Nice. I mean, that's pretty cool, you know, but, but they're listening to this and they still kind of have that like, uh, you know, like what to do, where to go. And so I love being able to be that for them and at least connect those dots. So, um, well, now you know you got another place. There you go, baby. So, um, well, that's legit true. Like as I'm listening to it, uh, what I hear you saying is, "Hey, we'll be competitive on the front end, but really, your earnout on the well, you, the equity that you're rolling is substantial." It's the same, same, same dollar per share I'm going for. So, <laughs> guess, and that's all. So and you're motivated. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not in this because I'm bored. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of reasons, but uh, you know, I'm very competitive, and um, your share value is the same as mine, right? Interesting. Yeah. So. Um, but that actually is a really good point. So you're fighting the same battle together. You're both vested at that same level, you know, and the, and like the end result too. So right. what, what I want to ask is this is going to, I'm going to kind of flip this for just a second um, because I do want to just you to share like with our listeners, some, a few of the losses that you have had to learn from before we close out on this whole thing. But I want to ask um, with a lot of this success, because you're saying, Hey, if you walk in that door, don't be thinking about money, think about doing the right thing. And I believe in that so much because that's kind of how we've run our business is, Hey, I'm not going to so much worry about hitting 30 million. I want to just build this business and um, do all the right things. And if we do it right, we service the customer, right? We learn from our mistakes. We take care of the employees We do all these things and we keep marching to the beat of that drum. The revenue will follow. Mm-hmm. It's kind of where we're at. Like that's the methodology that we have. I'm paying attention to numbers, but not to motivate me, if that makes sense. Correct. So that's how it should be. So, but what we're also doing is continuously taking that growth and giving it back. Like not just, not just stroking a check and saying, here you go. Like hands and feet every month, every month, one Friday, we have a service day everybody in this company goes and serves somewhere in the community together and we still pay them. They're on payroll, right? That's a, that's a lot of expense, you know, in payroll. If you look at it like that, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at this way again, this is the platform I've been given to serve. And as I grow, I better keep up with that because that's why I'm giving this thing. I'm growing it. I got to follow it, you know, but 
think about what we're able to do for the greater good of just human beings, like sure. a life, life in general. And that makes you feel good. They get to go out and do these things that they might not have done before or even knew existed to go and do and still get paid to go do it while doing literally nothing for this business. We're not moving this business forward. Like we're not executing on anything, you know, at that time for a customer or whatever, but they're working on themselves. I feel good because I get to give that to them. Mm -hmm. But everybody bonds a little bit more when you go and serve people who need help together, right? So it helps right. with the culture of the business. And that's the way we view it is when you go and do things like that together, unless you just don't have any like heart and soul, it's kind of hard not to feel something, you know, like when you're doing good and giving back. Right. The, the, the organization that you're serving certainly plays a part in that. I've learned that. But what are you doing something along these lines to continuously try and, and give back or do good or things like that as you're kind of growing and scaling? Is that kind of part of the DNA of the business? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll take you back because you can't do, you really can't do what I'm about to say in private equity. Um, but every company I've owned where I'm just the owner, there is no private equity backing. Um, so this started back in, um, um, 2010 for sure. I owned the business into that year. I was going to a uh, Saddleback church. So Rick Warren wrote purpose driven life because you probably know who that is. Mm -hmm. So he's at, he's up there talking about, and they never talk about money actually. Um, but this, this one particular time they're like, we're planning out the future of the church. And this church does more for the world than any, any one church, I promise you. But he says, he's talking about, you know, making a three-year commitment, whatever that is, I don't know if it's a dollar, dollar, whatever, just put something down on this thing. And I remember thinking, yeah, you know, I'm supposed to tie that. I kind of do here and there, but not like intentionally, yeah. not, you know. So I said, from now on, so I'm going to, I'm going to write a check right now. And then from now on, I'm going to tithe straight to my financials from now on, period. And I will tell you from that moment on, my success freaking exploded good people would come to me. I mean, just all, I just all kinds of stuff from that point on did that in Denver. I've did that with every company that I've ever owned. Um, you know, you don't typically do it exactly that way in the private equity world. So yes, there's definitely, um, you know, there's definitely, um, different charities and stuff that, that we're part of. And then personally I do. Yeah. Right. So personally, it doesn't matter. I always, I always do that personally. Um, but that is another for, for people who really believe that out there. I literally put it on my, on my P and L under charity is under, you know, the charity item, but, and then I literally would. And so that, that three year commitment that I wrote far, far, far exceeded that number. And some people would look at some of those numbers and those checks that I wrote and be like, what? I mean, actually when IRS was doing diligence, they were like, so are you like a deacon there? Are you like, <laughs> like what, is, what the heck? <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, kudos to you, my friend. Oh, uh, I think you. that's good. Um, cause doing good is good business, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, um, I derailed us on that too. And I apologize, but I think it's worth talking about. Certainly it's something that's meaningful for us. It's one of our core values giving back. Um, but let's talk about like whether that, you know, is perceived as, oh, that would be good or like to, to each their own. To me, I think it's good business, but some might be who don't believe in that might do something different. Sure. Whatever. Um, but you certainly experience losses. Like, you know, one thing that Jim Abrams said was <clears throat> just make a decision like, and just know that some of those decisions aren't going to work, but make the decision. Like, yeah. and he would like hit home on that. And I don't know if <clears throat> when you listen to part one, if that was in part one or part two, but he, he hits that per, hard, it was one. part yeah. pretty hard. Um, and with those decisions, sometimes can come losses. I mean, I've experienced them, you know, we go through different like peaks and valleys and as a business scales and grows, I find different issues that 
because I didn't know to address it sooner, it's now snowballed and I hit it. I'm like, okay, now I got to fix it. Like I've just, things I've learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have some of those, like, uh, I mean, you've had a lot of big wins and you've probably had some losses and we've talked about a lot of your wins, not necessarily your losses. So maybe you can share the, uh, some of those losses that you've experienced that you've grown through with our listeners who probably hit some sort of the same wall or experiences. So, yeah. Yep. So one of them, it wasn't really a loss, but it was kind of a regret. So I, it was selling that company and I didn't really, um, I just assumed that's what I should do. And I didn't look into it more than I, than I did. Um, that was one I already talked about. Um, the other ones were just, uh, you know, really I've been super blessed and fortunate. I've had two bad years in our industry. One was actually last year, 2021. And, um, when I say bad, it was just, you know, didn't hit we, we were profitable. You just uh, didn't hit your... Didn't hit our goals, yeah. our growth, our where we said... do. I didn't do what I said I would do. And I hate that. Like, I hate that. And uh, there are a lot of reasons for it. Yeah, because um, it wasn't intentional, right? No. Okay. No, 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 never. But um, the first time was um, that first year with ARS, we, again, we merged two branches together, very different cultures, um, merged... merged uh, we were on Successware was the the platform for software and and they just and merging like the chart of accounts and the two big companies by the way so you got you know you got this thirty million dollar company merging with the ten and it just it was the way I learned we should have planned that differently handled that differently ultimately probably shouldn't have even combined the branches if I can go back and undo it uh, last year was similar so so we joined private equity we were still on Successware and we're like okay we have to go to we have to go to uh, another another software at this time, and we joined Service Titan yep. and Intact. So these all private equity groups have Intact as the accounting background, which you have to overlay. So the operating side was seamless for us; it was awesome. But the accounting side and getting that right, which knowing what I know now, is always the case. Talking to the other private equity groups, we just didn't know this upfront. It's hard. You got to map it, and you got to. It's not, it's not an easy transition. And uh, so that combined with, I decided all at the same time, we're going to start that software change, acquire a little tuck-in company and, and, and people, again, a, a very different culture type <clears throat> people. I didn't know this till we acquired it. but And we're trying to bring these people on. We're going to move buildings. We're going to change general managers. Um, that's when Brian was moving from Denver to Dallas. And we're going to do all, all of that at the same time. So you took on too many major changes simultaneously and you can't something the ball is going to get dropped somewhere. Now there's too many big changes happening. There is. I mean, we're very consistent. Our gross margins are, everything's very consistent, but then you throw all that in the mix and then you don't see a live P and L for over six months. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that happened. And, uh, once we started finding seeing them like, Oh wait, we have a problem. No, that's because we merged and that a couple of months later, we're like, okay, we got to dive in. Right. And that was just a, a huge challenge combined with, you know, we're, we're weather enhanced, not weather driven. Typically we're still going to do well if weather doesn't come, but extreme unfavorable weather year last year, um, all at the same time. So, which I would rather all be one year than have some, some that year, some another year, but Last year, last year, last year, but at the same time, there's a lot of good. We're setting our foundation and and now we're at this point where we're, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing what our numbers are, um, across the board and our, our acquisitions that we're making, we're launching. 
So here we are two years in just, just had our two year anniversary with PE. And my goal is to, is to grow this company into a valuation of over 200 million within four years. I believe we could do it in the next year, but that's how fast, you know, even with last year. So, you know, a lot of people can just, you know, be down and, and give up and, you know, we knew we're just, we're going to get through all of this and we're still getting, we're still profitable, just not still, not, not near where we were supposed to be and, and said we would be. And now we're at this place where I'm talking to literally three acquisitions at the same time and ha- building this platform where we're about to launch. Yeah. You know, one year from now, as we sit here, I believe I'll be saying our, our valuation of our business is possibly over 300 million and we're getting to a billion as fast as we can. Wow. Well, that's fantastic, man. That's a, what a, like, I'm cool to be able to follow it along with you, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's part of the cool thing I get about from this stuff is I get to, you know, get to, um, develop new friendships with people too, along the way too. And so that's kind of the coolest part about all doing all this to me is the relationship side of this. Um, it's part of what I enjoy the most. And, um, now you're going to come to Rhino X and hang out with us. Yeah. Um, along with hopefully, man, I, got, I heard it yesterday, man, Jim Abrams is confirmed with Jimmy Hiller who texted me. So even though I sent Jim an email to say, Hey, can you confirm? And he didn't reply to it, <laughs> I hear, but I, I'm going to see him next week. Cause I'll be out in Nashville. I'll call him right now. That's important. <laughs> Let's call him up. Hey, Jim. <laughs> um, actually we're going to do that way up here. Um, I want to finish with this too. Cause I think we're a little over an hour into this podcast too, but I want to finish with this <clears throat> one. I love that you say we're weather enhanced, not weather driven, by the way. I think that's a really key thing that you blew past fast. That's something that's worth thinking. So sit on that and think on that there listeners to being weather enhanced business, not a weather driven business. Important. Um, but we talked, I mean, uh, Goodrich is sitting in the same seat last week and we kind of had a similar conversation about like a potential upcoming recession or, this, or as I like to call it, market correction. <laughs> um, what should the listeners kind of be, in your opinion, like what should these listeners be thinking of? Like, should they be you know, concerned with or not, maybe not concerned? I hate using the word concerned, you know, but prepared for what this thing coming. Do you think it's going to be that bad? I mean, because you made it through the whole 08 you know, stuff and, um, 0809 stuff. And I, I mean, from the conversations I've had from my perception, it's not going to be like that, but certainly something is on the horizon and it's coming. Like what, like kind of give me your two cents on like that. The listeners could also take away to be aware of as we roll into that. Um, and, um, like the whole potential downturn. Yeah. So you get what you focus on, right? So I'll take you back to, um, so during that time, that last one, 2008 crash, right? That's again, that's when I bought the company in California. Our main branch was Riverside County. Riverside County was the fourth worst County economically in the entire U S by County. Man, you're lucky. And we grew, <laughs> we grew that company from four to, or no, I'm sorry, six to 36 million in four years. During that time, and I'll tell people new construction, no replacement service, all residential service, no new construction, no commercial, all residential service. Got it. So, um, you know, and this is a thing like people focus, you get what you focus on. So, people, business owners were focused and they were, they were fear, right? They were fearful and focused on that fear. So, they were cutting back, they were cutting back benefits, they were, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't standing in front of their people, optimistic, they were very, just the way they would talk, their body language, everything was down. So guess what? Good people attaining good people. And our, we are only as good as our people. So attaining good people during that time was super simple and it actually made it easier 
I think it's actually easier to grow a company during those times. You know, when you have a bunch of competition where everybody's optimistic and gung ho, well, now, now you're trying to train up your own people and bring people in the industry, which we try to do anyway. And that has more pros anyway. So, but during those times, if you focus on what to take advantage of, you will succeed. You know, um, COVID was hitting and I, and, and you remember the first two weeks when we're sitting at home, everybody is sitting at home watching TV. I had, and people are scared, right? Legitimately. I had, I got on Facebook, organized this whole thing through SGI and had a whole bunch of con contractors on a call that I just got on there and, and put together a bunch of advice to give them. And I followed obviously my own advice and it was, Hey, we weren't on TV at the time. It was, this is the time rates are going down because everybody's cutting, cu cutting all of their spots. Rates are lower. Audience is way, way higher advertised right now during the news, during these news sessions all around it. Now is the time. And if you do that, you'll launch. And we did. And other, some other companies that, that followed that did three months later, I remember one company reached out and said, Hey, we're thinking about doing that. I'm like, it's too late. No, it was, that was the time. <laughs> right. But I gave him a whole bunch of advice at the time. And at the end of the day, there'll be advice at that time that they just got to go seek and find and listen to, um, and do it and act. And there will be things to take advantage of. And there will, there always is opportunity in those times. It's just what you focus on. If you're scared and focus on that, then that's what you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to go backwards. You're going to, you're going to make wrong decisions or you're not going to make decisions, right? You're, you're back to just make a decision. You got to, you do, you, you got to make a decision and, you know, you try to make the wisest decisions and learn from wise people. But if it does come, it could be worse than the last time. Like it could not come. We don't know. Yeah, right. But at the end of the day, what will happen for sure is many companies will survive and many will fail. And the ones that fail are the ones that pull back, get scared and put their head in the sand. Just be, I mean, yeah. think about the people in COVID. There are a number of companies who went under. You sh if you didn't grow like crazy yeah. during that, then it's because they put their head in the sand. They sent, they sent their, like they laid their people off. Yeah. Couldn't believe that was one of the things. Don't you think any good person's going to come back to you when you're laying people off and your competitors are not, <laughs> they think they're going to come back there during that. Like, get, no, of course not. Those people got killed. Yeah. And it's the same thing, right? It's the same mentality. Yeah. And, um, that's a really great point, man. I think that I'm a big believer in you are what you think you are. Um, yeah. and, and the way you put it was you get what you focus on. Um, I'm a hundred percent in alignment with that. Um, I say that to my kids, <laughs> you know, like when we're talking sports, like business during COVID, um, there was, you kind of hit the head like that, hit the nail on the head. That two week time frame was all us all trying to like figure out what in the hell is going on. Like what is actually happening? <clears throat> we were all in Ireland, my, me, my wife and all of our kids when they shut down all the travel ban. So we're like, we had to cut our trip short and get back home. I thought I was going to be starting Rhino Ireland then because I thought I was going to be stuck there, which by the way is a part on my, on my plan. Um, just not an HVAC. There's <laughs> not a whole lot going on there, but plumbing and electrical, different story. Um, but the, uh, um, you know, point I'm getting at with it is that even in that time, we were deemed essential business. Like the listeners were deemed essential businesses. If, if it's 110 degrees outside here in Phoenix, and we're in a recession. Nobody wants to be that hot. Like somebody's going to take action still. And it proved itself out. I mean, the majority of all Rhino customers, we caught it quick in that two week time frame. We game plan. We said, you know what? 
People are going to be home more. Some of the contractors are going to be scared. Some people are going to pull back money. Let's double down. And that's the path. We made a decision fast, went with it, and it worked really, really well. And then I started building out these. I can remember this. Like my wife and I are sitting at our cabin and, um, and I'm sitting here like thinking through, man, what else can I do? What else can I do? Like we, we put a couple of these badges on our customer sites that said, um, no service, you know, no contact service calls, like with the whole mask and like the whole protective thing. Cause people were afraid Threw that on like all of our customer sites. And we noticed conversion rates starting to increase significantly because there was that one little badge on there. So I thought, you know what, this is working well for our customers. I threw it in like a couple of the Facebook groups. We ended up giving out like 15,000 of these badges to people who weren't even like our customers, you know, and I've seen them all over the websites at that point in time. It was cool to kind of give that to them to help them. Um, I did put it on our customer sites first because I had to test it out. But point being is the reason it worked is that people were still looking for exactly what you do, just like they're going to when an upcoming recession happens. If it does, no matter how bad it is, we're still an essential business because we're essential. So it's going to happen. It's just, who's going to get it? You or, or not you, you're going to put your head in the sand. Don't be that person. But I'll tell you one thing else. I think that, that it really exposed. That's a gift to those who didn't think about this before is how much brand equity matters, how much branding actually matters was exposed during that time frame. And so it was nice to see some people kind of take, you know, heed of that too. And, and in that moment, you'll be proud of me, man. <laughs> From the entrepreneur perspective, I was like, you know what? I see a real opportunity here to get into that branding game because um, creating a logo and creating a brand is a different skill set. It is a very psychological skill. So you got to be a creative and a psychological and think like it is a very interesting position and very hard to fill. So I tried to buy a company that does it and try to get them in here because I thought, sweet. And I did it because I knew the customers needed these things and I couldn't get the deal done. Uh, but I have another opportunity. You know, right now, somebody who is also done exceptionally well, who I'm going to try and pull in, it looks like we're getting closer to get the, getting that one done because I believe in it so much and how much creating those, that brand and the brand story and all that stuff really, really matters in the, in the long run of the game. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I just, uh, I think that was really good advice, man. Don't stick your head in the sand, you know, yeah. do the, something other, the other thing to prepare for it is memberships, right? Make sure you, you lock in your clients, you know, obviously give them a great service, but if they're a member of yours, there's somebody you could tap on to call and, and, and they're going to call you if they got a problem. Right. So, you know, people don't value memberships to the level they should, or a lot, most people don't. That's right, man. Well, we did, we did a great membership podcast with Jamie DiDomenico because um, he built like some massive amount of service agreements and revenue attached to it. And I don't remember what the episode was too, but if you go back through and look through the episodes, you can just look for his Jamie DiDomenico from Cool Today down in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jamie D? Yeah, I know of him. I don't know okay. him personally. I mean, I mean, their membership program was ridiculous. Like, um, so, uh, but again, that's something great to obviously to lean on because you have a reason to connect and you have a reason to get to the to the home. Um, and if you go in with the right intent, even in a recession, like don't go in looking for something because you need money. That is the wrong mindset to go in with. Go in and do the job and do it for right things. And uh, if a project or if a pro- problem presents itself. Uh, a problem or opera. I mean, our industry has so many opportunities to educate and the educate, client. That's that's just all, it. It's not sales. It's just educating them and they buy. And if you do it in a salesy way, and that's what we're really good at is not being salesy. So the client, when we're on the way to, to the home is thinking what? 
this guy's going to try to sell me yeah. something. Yeah. All of them, right? Mm -hmm. So as soon as we confirm that by the way we act, something we say, or 20 minutes in, we're like, hey, you need to replace your furnace. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, get out. I knew. They don't yeah. say that, but they're thinking it, like, get out, yep. right? They, they're done. It's over. And if you're just doing a really good job for them, showing them what you're doing, teaching them, educating them how it's preventing this thing from breaking down sooner than later, and this is why this is supposed to happen this way, or this is why I'm doing this, or this is why I'm doing that, that leads to them asking more questions. And a lot of times them asking more questions leads to other conversation of other products, rather be add-on products, indoor air quality, um, surge protection, lots of different things that we could be talking about just based off something I showed you I'm doing. You asked a question. Now I'm just answering your question. And if I'm just answering your question, you don't view me as a salesperson or I'm trying to sell you something. I'm answering your question. Right. Right. And then it leads you to asking me how much. Super simple. And then that sells, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you say super simple, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of people who don't grasp that, you know, who, uh, know. And, it, and it is like, listen, you, if you don't know how to strategically do that, but you want to learn and the intent is right, and you don't have that, you can learn that skill set. Like you can learn. There are lots of good opportunities to learn that skill set. And it's not like a selling technique is this education by sales model is a learned skill that you can get. Oh, for sure. We teach people because you're not a salesperson. So natural wired sales guys are great at whatever. They're going to do it anyway. Yeah. But most field people aren't, right? So they're the ones who come across so cheesy because they're trying to be salespeople. They're not naturally salespeople. They hate it. Yeah. They really hate doing it. So if they're taught right, it's easier for them to learn because that's what they want to be. They don't want to be salesy. They don't want to be pushy. They don't want to look like a used car sale. They hate that. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's a really great piece of advice just for in any, like nobody really wants to be sold, right? And they certainly, like in our space, Ain't nobody trying to buy in a furnace or air conditioner. Or ain't nobody wants to have you there in the first place, right? Right. So it's until already, until I'm done showing them why I'm there. Now that's a, that's another point. Chris is like if I'm going to do a maintenance on a furnace, the person typically doesn't know what we do. So the value of me coming to do that and their 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 value perception is zero. Right? It's very low. So now when I show them all of what I'm doing. At least we do it. So, mm -hmm. so we clean it. We show them what we're doing. We tell them why. We tell them what this prevents. We show them what it prevents. These are the things that could happen. Now the value of me being there is like through the roof. Now anything else I talk about is going to be a lot easier to talk about because now they went from annoyed and hating that I'm there to actually happy I'm there if I educate them right on what we're doing first before we're ever talking about anything else. Yeah, sure. So again, this all boils back to the sales by education model, which I'm a big believer of, right? You don't know, they don't know what they don't know. <clears throat> Just like with the indoor air quality stuff. Like obviously when that all went down, IQ shot up. If you did it, some people did it for their, I, I looked at it as like, yes, you, it was time. It was, we were able to take advantage of an opportunity to educate them on this product that they should have been educating them about all along. Anyhow, it's just this like sparked that interest in it because of like the whole aerial, you know, that all that stuff. So, but it was sales by education. And I'm a big believer that's how that's the path that you should go. The other thing with the IEQ that most people don't use though, that actually I think is a easier selling point than your air or allergies or or germs or whatever, is it also, you know, again, our whole focus is protecting the system, keeping it clean. So it's it's also 
we, we make it more like it's protecting the system from getting so dirty. Dirt is the number one killer of furnace and air conditioners. And, oh, by the way, it does all of this for your air and your, because protecting the system, a hundred percent of people want, you know, people protecting their air, like very few want. And that's the point where it gets salesy. If you start talking about that, like, oh, here we go. But if you're talking about protecting the system first and what it does to protect the system, it's actually easier to even get into the other conversation without being salesy. Well, then you're like, hey, my kid just got sick. This shit didn't work. <laughs> that's it. This was pointless. This was useless. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. But anyhow, I could for sure hear that going down. But, um, but kind of like the vaccine, though, right? It didn't actually, it's not a vaccine. <laughs> it's a flu shot. And people are still getting it. It's a test case. Test case. We were just the, te- we were the people they were testing it on. Uh, okay, that's uh, whatever. Um, <clears throat> anyhow, oh uh, yeah, we're on the same page. So listen, bro, I appreciate being here too. Like we're, by, I think, well, gosh, an hour and 20 minutes, maybe even more into this podcast. And, and that's what I love about when I know one is going really well and there's some really good information, it's because it's like blown by. It's super fast. Um, and we covered a ton of different things in here too. And um, I'm just grateful, man, that you, that you one, gave, gave me the time to come in here too because I still 100% believe time is our most valuable asset. Can't get it back. Um, I'm grateful for it. And, and our listeners are as well. But I want to just want to finish with this because normally I would kind of go into like the what's next. And I have an idea of what's next for you because you just kind of brought it up on like where you're planning to go with this and what you want to do with it. But what I would like our listeners to know is um, if they, you know, if they want to reach out to you and connect with you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? And because it, it sounds like you're kind of an open book and that you're willing to be helpful with them too and, and do all these things. So um, if there's a way that they can connect with you, would you mind sharing that? Yeah, it's just my email, which is super simple. And they could ask me any questions like, hey, I got this question or I'm looking, rather it's based on growing my business this is where I'm at. This is where I want to get to this certain situation. Um, I want to exit plan. I want to, there's so many different topics, any of them um, I love giving advice on and, and I'm really good at doing so. And, you know, I don't have a, a personal motive like, hey, I'm going to do this if it benefits me somehow. Later in life, a lot of times it does. That's great but that's not the, the intent or the motivation. So, um, yeah, if anybody ever has any questions, they could just email me GD G is in George D is in Donaldson D is in Doug. All right. So G D fired F I R E D up at gmail.com G D fired up at gmail.com. That's easy one to remember. It's a chant we do fired up. Um, Yes. Okay. Say, How do you feel? And they say fire it up and I get louder, they get louder. And by the end it's, so we've done that so for years with our teams. Mm, <laughs> my little Wolf Wall Street. <laughs> this is your own version of that. <laughs> well, listen, bro, man, I appreciate being on here. Thanks for coming in. Um, dude, it's a uh, story's a good one. I love anything. that has got a good history in it too, as well. Obviously like the connection to Jim is cool, especially as I've gotten to know, like got to know him more and get to have an opportunity to talk to him. And just, I mean, I knew about him for so long, before I ever even talked to him and I never got to see him speak live. And so, um, selfishly, I always wanted, I always wanted to, I never really kind of had the position was in the position to do it. Not, it's probably not the right word. I just didn't have the opportunity to go and do it. And then he kind of went silent, you know, in 2000, like 16, 17, something like that too. I think he had some cancer stuff he went through. <clears throat> um, but man, if I, if we legit get sacred to Rhino X, I mean, I could finally get to see it live and at my own event, that to me feels pretty good. So I'm excited for that. And, uh, Obviously, sounds like you'll be out here too, which would be cool. And it's neat for me to bring everybody back together too, because it's almost like in some instances a bit of a reunion for people. And I've seen that happen every year. Like the first two years I've done it, that exact same thing. And we're putting people in the room who would normally be afraid to go and communicate with a 
with Ken or with Jim or whatever, putting them in the scenario where it's comfortable to go and communicate, like intentionally putting them in those scenarios to create those relationships. Because part of this game is having those relationships and people that you can rely on to help move the business forward. For sure. So um, I just get to be the one who brings that together. And it's a pretty cool feeling for me too. You know what I mean? Um, I don't even talk in these things. It's my event. Like I'm like the MC of it, but I don't do anything. I don't do any education. It's really everything, everybody else. I mean, I'm facilitating literally everything. It's incredibly intentional because the worst case scenario is one person walks out of the thing and says, that was a waste of time. Then I failed, but that's not happening. So, you know, but the 95, five rule still applies. But when you're dropping that kind of money on a ticket, that's very intentional. If you're going to spend 7,500 bucks on a ticket or $10,000 on a ticket based on whatever you're doing, you better come and focus on that event because that's that's not cheap. So, again, very intentional. You put a little skin in the game. I hate using that term, but it is what it is. Like, if you're going to spend that money, we get limited seats. We want people who are coming here to be serious about growing their business and moving them forward. So, um, but I'm grateful that you're here too. And because of this podcast, man, you and I got to connect, you know? I mean, and, and I'm grateful for those things. So, listeners, I encourage you, reach out to George, man. If you couldn't tell, he's got a ton of knowledge, been through a ton of things. He's super transparent. He's got a good heart. Like he wants to help do the right things and give without expectation. So take advantage of those things and learn. It's okay to humble yourself and ask questions. All right. If you, if you said something that didn't make sense, you said he's an open book, ask him whatever, you know, he can, he can clarify it. Only stupid questions are the ones that aren't asked. That's good, right? man. That's really good. So, so he gave you, he gave you his email, gdfiredup at gmail.com. Um, Use it. I bet you got, I bet you end up getting an inbox full of questions or at least people reaching out to you from this podcast. Yeah, I will. So you know what, by the way, I will get back to you. I promise. Um, and if, if for some reason I miss it, um, don't feel bad to do it again. Like re forward it in like a week. I promise. Uh, I want you to do that. Um, it's, it's, it, I get a lot of emails, so. I think everybody can relate, man. <laughs> Back to my, that detail orientation. Right? I, was talking, I can miss one. I can miss one. I get it. If it falls too down the list for me, but I'm not, I'm not like you, but just ping me again or because I'll, I'll miss it. So listeners, take advantage of this thing too. Again, like I said, he, he mentioned a few things I thought was really good. Obviously understanding your why you're in game at this and even where you're at in the situation and your why can change. It is okay if your why does change as things grow and change within your business. Totally fine. Um, you know, try to have some sort of like foundational meaning behind this whole thing. Like, Hey, if you're legit trying to give great customer service, go give great customer service. Don't just talk about it, be about it. But he talks about, um, being weather enhanced, not a weather driven business. I think that's incredibly important to dig into that piece of it too, to understand what that really, really means. Um, we say around here at Rhino in the shoulder seasons, we have to create weather because we don't have the luxury of help, you know, of, of not pulling in lead volume. And it certainly is there. I promise you there's, there is certainly install business happening in the shoulder seasons and it, 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 here in Phoenix, Arizona, we're still installing air conditioners in December and January. Yep. Promise you. All 12 months we are Absolutely. too, every market. So, so take advantage of these things too, but, but change your mindset, man. Be weather enhanced business, not a weather driven business. So you don't have to do everything, but you got to do something. No zero days. We'll see you. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, 
we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.